Hello, my comfy, cozy, witchy friends, and welcome to episode number 47 of the Comfy, Cozy Witch podcast with me, Jenny Blonde, the Comfy, Cozy Witch. And thank you for being with me here today on episode, again, number 47, which is my favorite number. So this is an exciting episode because I had asked all of you and my Instagram followers and Patreon subscribers and all of my witchy friends out there to share their fairy fae folk encounters with me and you all did not disappoint. I had so many to choose from and I was able to select a few to share with you on today's episode. So today we're going to talk about fairy magic. Again, there was an entire episode done last year, maybe the year before, all about the fae. So go back and have a listen to that if you want to learn more about working with the fae and about them in general. But today we're going to be hearing stories from listeners and friends like you. So be excited for that because I know I love these stories. And before we get into that, I want to share what is making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. I want to do a quick shout out to all my mugwort level new Patreon subscribers. Thank you. Um, you can join my Patreon at patreon.com slash comfycozywitch for extra goodies sent to you for me every month. So thank you to Angela S, to Jessica24, a big thank you to Julie C, to Madison, Tony H, to Kiki, to Liz J, thank you to Alyssa L, and to Meg. Thank you, Holly. And thanks, Carolyn. Thank you, Angela. And thank you, Time and Mackenzie H. I really appreciate all of your support and the support from the Patreon subscribers and all of you in general. So again, if you want to join the Comfy Cozy Witch Patreon, go to patreon.com slash comfy cozy witch. I am very excited to be sharing with you what is making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy currently because this is truly a dream come true and something that I have wanted for years and years and years. And if you have caught my Instagram stories here and there, you might already know what this is. If you're my Patreon, you definitely know what this is already, but I am opening a brick and mortar comfy cozy apothecary shop. So I'm opening the comfy cozy witchy shop of my dreams and I can be the Cassie Nightingale of a small town in Pennsylvania and I am so excited. I am so excited. This has been a dream, um, something that I didn't imagine would happen right now. I imagined it happening maybe down the road a little bit, but the right circumstance presented itself in this opportunity for a building in town right off the town circle, right on Main Street became available and I had to jump um, and, and I'm so glad that I did. So let me tell you a little bit about how this came to be. Uh, because things definitely aligned uh, with spirit and with <laughs> with the world. So I don't get on Facebook that often. 
Um, I will get in, of course, to the Comfy Cozy Witches Facebook group, but I don't go into my personal Facebook hardly ever. And I happened to log in about a month ago and I saw a posting for a space that was beca- that was coming available in about a month um, for lease. And when I saw the picture of this space and read about it, I knew immediately that that would be a great space for an apothecary, a great space for a writing place away from home. You know, I am an author, I have deadlines coming up. And although I love writing from home, there are so many distractions, whether that is the dogs or just in the back of my mind knowing, oh, I have to vacuum, I have to do this. Oh, I really need to fold the laundry. Um, I need to do, 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 do. And that would distract me from getting work done. And so I have also been wanting a place away from home, but close to home that I don't have to drive far, um, that I, or I could even like bike to but someplace close that I could go to get some writing done in a quiet space, maybe record some episodes of the podcast. But don't worry, most of the recording is still going to happen at home because I know that you all love to hear Reese in the background. She's with me right now underneath me, Reese. She's right under me now. You'll probably hear her this episode. But I've wanted, oh, she's she's up now on my left. She's tapping me on the shoulder. She's so sweet. And so I've wanted a writing space away from home that could double as an apothecary. And I found it. Long story short, again, I reached out to the current um, renter and said I was interested because she was kind of put in charge of finding somebody to take over the lease and then start their own lease. So I reached out to her, expressed my interest. I went in, saw the space. As soon as I saw it, I knew that it was meant for me, truly. The storefront has stone. The side of the the store is brick. It's three little rooms, about 700 square feet, a perfect little writing area, an area for inventory, a big bay window with lots of light that comes in, kind of like bell book and candle, and, you know, a window display. And I just knew in my heart that it it, it was mine. It was going to be mine. And 50, that's a five zero, 50 other people apparently were interested in this space. But at the end of the day, I reached out to the property owner and I was referred to the property owner by the, the current um, leaser. And they they picked me to, to have the space. So I signed a lease and I'll be bringing the apothecary to a brick and mortar store, which is just amazing. But I want to reassure you, all of you who have um, shopped at my apothecary online, I'm still going to do the same pop-ups. My brick and mortar store, um, I will have more inventory from others and small businesses. I'll wholesale with small businesses around the country and a lot locally. Um, But on my online apothecary, I'm still going to offer things that I have created and that I have made and still have those pop-ups throughout the year. So you won't be missing out. But if you want to come visit the store in person, that would be amazing too, because you'll find things that I create along with all sorts of other items that nourish the mind, body, home, and spirit, because that's what I'm all about, nourishment in those areas. So I'm very excited. I'm just anxious to move in. My I don't officially get to move until June 1st. 
and my house right now is just exploding with inventory. I'm looking out my office door. My entryway is filled with boxes. There are boxes in the basement. There are boxes in the garage, boxes on the kitchen table, ready to be moved into the space. And I'm excited because I don't have to do a lot of work. The owners before me, um, they, or the, I guess the renters before me were, it was an engineering firm. And so I'm not going to have to do any construction. The floors are beautiful hardwood. Um, there might be some touch-ups with painting. I know I want to paint the bathroom. I'm going to paint the front door purple. Of course, I got approval to paint the front door purple, which I'm so excited about. Um, just little cosmetic things. And then once I get the shelving and displays in there, I can start setting up the inventory. And so I'm so excited about that. I know that this, it's going to make my life even busier and I am, I am okay with that because I, last year, as you know, I set up boundaries. This year, I've been taking things slow. I've been very um, cognizant of when I'm feeling overwhelmed. And I have been very deliberate about engaging on social media and how I use my time. I've been using a lot of discernment, which we talked about on a whole episode here. And I think because of those boundaries, because of discernment, because of honoring my time offline and not getting caught up in social media, um, I've been able to free up my mind, free up some time. And now I know why it's for this new venture. So I'll have limited hours there because obviously I have the dogs, my son, my family, um, other obligations. I have my podcast to record and Patreon goodies to send out. And I have book deadlines coming up. So I I will definitely, you know, have to have some limited hours with the retail space, which is fine. I'm going to figure out what works for me and try to find the best balance that I can. But I am so excited. Thank you to everybody who has reached out, sending well wishes and good thoughts and vibes about this, this new brick and mortar venture. It really is a dream and I have to share quickly. So I was on, on my Facebook and somebody had commented. So a, a local, a local newspaper, two actual, two local news, you know, outlets picked up my story and about my apothecary opening. And I had followed those when some of those were posted and shared online. And somebody had tagged me and commented and said, oh my goodness, ha- Um, This reminds me of a show. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Good Witch, but your shop sounds like it will be just like Bell Book and Candle. (laughs) I took a screenshot and I'm going to keep that forever because that's exactly the feeling I want when people walk in my shop to feel nourished, to feel calm, to feel comforted, to find something that can support them in their spiritual journey, that can make them feel comfy, cozy, that can nourish their mind, body, home, spirit, just like Cassie Nightingale does with Bell Book and Candles. So I loved that comment and it absolutely made made my day, made my week, made my month. I mean, that was 
that was amazing. This was a complete stranger who doesn't even know me just from reading about my shop. She likened it to Bell Book and Candle and that just made me, ah, made my heart so happy. So I thought I would share that exciting news with you all. My comfy, cozy apothecary brick and mortar shop is what is currently making me feel comfy, cozy and witchy. I am so excited to tell you that Blessed Be Magic is sponsoring this episode. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know how much I love Blessed Be Magic. They are a company that creates beautiful jewelry to really empower your magic and empower all of the wearers of the jewelry. And I just want to chat quickly about two pieces in particular that I'm loving. One is their new Pentacle Gemstone Ring. It is absolutely beautiful. Also, their Spiral Goddess Mini Pendant Necklace is absolutely gorgeous and can really help you tap into your power. And, you know, you can get 15% off your entire order at blessedbemagic with a k.com if you use the code cozywitch15 again that's code cozywitch15 at blessedbemagic with a k.com you will not be disappointed with anything that you purchase from blessed be magic okay so this episode i am so excited to share with you some fairy Fae folk encounters from um, listeners, and you may even hear your story featured on here if you sent one in and it was selected. Um, thank you to everybody who submitted these encounters. It was just such a pleasure to read all of them. And I've talked about my own encounters with the Fae over the years. And when we moved here f- almost four years ago, which is hard to believe, my son seeing fairies on our hikes and on our in our local lands and you know that I work with the fae when it comes to creativity for my writing inspiration for my writing and then my gardening work outside um so let's hear let's just jump in let's jump into your encounters and it's like I'll tell these like a storyteller episode which I'm really excited about because I know a lot of you enjoyed when I did this at Samhain with your encounters, your ghost stories, your spiritual encounters. So this first story and encounter comes from Tawny. And um, also, Tawny, thank you for, for enjoying the podcast. Your comments and your email were just lovely. So this story involves um, her and her partner's dog named Dakota. Dakota passed away last June of 22, and she was an English Mastiff who lived to be 13 years old and she believes was deeply connected and at one time taken care of by the Fae. Years ago, Dakota was frightened around the 4th of July with the fireworks and then a thunderstorm that followed that weekend. At the time, she and my partner and his family lived on an acreage and Dakota ran away and was basically lost for 10 days. Within that time of living off the land, my partner believes she was taken care of by the fae folk, by fairies. Since then and within the time, I knew and witnessed her magic and spirit, and she would attract all of these beautiful butterflies. I kid you not, this is what Tawny says, I kid you not, we would be on a walk 
She preferred more wooded land to explore and sniff out of nowhere in bushes and flower patches or just green areas and butterflies would fly out. It's like she was attracted to those. Um, And my partner and I also would walk through some sections just a moment before and literally nothing would happen. But when Dakota walked in the same area, butterflies ranging anywhere from just a few to a dozen would fly out. The morning after Dakota passed away in her sleep, um, there was a big white butterfly waiting for me and our other three dogs at the time outside for their morning walk and potty time. I believe this was Dakota and her saying to me, look, mama, I can fly now. I love this. I love this. Um, and um, Tawny goes on to say that just a month or so later at a concert, a large butterfly came up to her face and just like kept flying in her face until until she said hello. And then the butterfly landed on her middle finger for a few seconds before fluttering back to her face and then back again. Um, so I love this. This is just a very lovely, uh, whimsical encounter with the Fae. As, as we know, not everybody has such lovely encounters. Um, the Fae can be pretty mischievous, but this was just a nice encounter. And I love that Dakota was so connected. And I can definitely see that through your story. So thank you. This next encounter comes from Kathleen H. Um, I think you might go by Kate, but I'm not sure. And I'm just going to read. This is just a sweet, simple story that may just be simple coincidence. A few years ago, I was doing some Waldorf home learning activities with my sons. The theme for the week was fairies, and so we made fairy bread and left a portion outside as an offering to the fae. A day or so later, there was a little ring of flowers in the same spot the bread had been. My sons were thrilled and firmly believe it was a thank you from the fairies. A few months later, I was sitting at my kitchen table looking out the window, and I swear a tiny fairy flew up to the window, hovered for a moment, then flew away. I stared at it, trying to figure out what kind of insect it was, because it didn't look like an insect I'd ever seen and was rather humanoid, but it was not there for more than four seconds, so I couldn't be sure. It was about three inches tall, greenish, with wings, and looked like a pixie type of fairy. Well, first off, I I love these encounters and your sons, and I love that when learning about fairies, you left out bread for them, some sweet fairy bread. Uh, and you left a portion as an offering to the Fae, and then you found that little ring of flowers there. I definitely think that could mean that they are present, that they are there. And as far as seeing a fairy, um, seeing a Fae, you know, fly up to the window and take on this humanoid appearance, you know, like a little pixie, like we think of Tinkerbell. And, you know, one thing I want to say when in my research and interactions with the Fae, not all Fae are that Tinkerbell type. You know, that is pop culture, the spin that pop culture has put on the Fae and what fairies are. But I firmly believe, and I've talked about this before with our spirit guides, that the Fae, um, any of our guides, they come to us in a form that we best understand. So although 
you may encounter a fairy and it looks like the pixie type or what you would see in Peter Pan, for example, to someone else, that same member of the fair, fair folk may appear as something different. Just as, And this is my opinion. This is just how I feel. Um, I can't prove anything. This is just what I believe. And same with any of our spirit guides. They come to us in a form that we can comprehend and that we can understand. I firmly believe that. And uh, for a lot of us, because we grew up with fairies being sparkling little creatures with wings, you know, that might be how the fae appear to us. And that's just, again, that's how I feel. Not everybody has the same thoughts about the fae. Um, but that was just such a charming little story. And I definitely think that there is a correlation with that ring of flowers and where you left the fairy bread. This next encounter comes from Paige. And this is a story from about three years ago. My daughter was three at the time, and we've always believed in fairies. I technically have two stories for you, but one of them was debunked, unfortunately. (laughs) Three years ago, the week of 4th of July, we were at my in-law's house to do some sparklers and fireworks with the kids. We had the truck beds all comfy cozy. I love that you used that. With blankets and snacks, we had a bonfire going. We were so excited. And this was my daughter's first time doing any of these things. So she was super excited about it. So my mother-in-law was all set up and ready to go outside while my daughter and I came out the front door of the house, nowhere near the fire or sparklers or anything going on. They hadn't even started. And what we saw seemed to be flying but standing up and it went straight across in front of us. It had to have been around four inches tall with green colored wings and a body. My first thought was a Luna moth, but we don't have those around me where I live. And I remember my daughter and I immediately looked at each other and said, was that a fairy? It was a surreal moment and I can't help but think the fae just wanted to join in on the festivities. You know, I don't... I don't disagree. I think maybe they did want to join in on the festivities. And as I said before, they appear, I think they appear in a way that we best understand. And especially for your daughter, her knowledge of a fairy is a little creature, a little person with wings. And that's how my son first saw the fae in our local um, forest and in our local lands, and even on our property here. So definitely a surreal moment and magical. And I hope that you, you know, you've written that down here, but you've also written it down elsewhere. So you can read it to your daughter as she gets older. So I think that that is fun. Her other story has been debunked, but it was still a fun story. Um, And she talked about bringing Polly Pockets into her parents' backyard and pretend the grass was tall trees in the forest and that the dolls would have to fight through, which I did stuff just like this. And I remember the Polly Pockets. Um, I, I remember them so vividly. The The grass was dark and there was a shoe, she says, that was black. And the shoe was as good as gone as far as they could were concerned. So completely lost one shoe 
and they picked up the rest of the toys, went to bed, and when they woke up the next morning, they found next to the bunk beds the missing Polly Pocket shoe, two fairy necklaces, one was green for her sister and one was blue for Paige, and a little note. Um, So who knows who left that? Maybe that was debunked or not. I'll leave that up to you the listener. Um, I'm not going to read the rest of this, but that was just really cute and a fun, whimsical thing and a good idea that you could potentially do, you know, with your kids to bring a little bit of that, a little bit of that magic. Okay, next up, this one comes from Ruth P. And uh, Ruth, she wrote that she finished listening to the My May Magic short and knew that she had to send this in. So I'm going to I'm going to read Ruth's little encounter. Months ago, I realized that I had lost three very precious pieces of jewelry. A pair of earrings that I had designed with intention, a ring, and a necklace which was a large fluorite heart on a black cord. I looked everywhere for these pieces in purses, in closets, in my jewelry box, through makeup bags, you name it. I asked my daughter and boyfriend. No one knew a thing. I shared this with those in a jewelry class I was taking and really expressed my disappointment. Jokingly, I said, perhaps the fairies are playing tricks on me and laughed it off. My older sister once said, sometimes our angels like to mess with us. So I thought of the fae in the same context. Yeah, absolutely. My instructor said, well, have you considered leaving them an offering? Never had it crossed my mind, but it made perfect sense after resonating. So when I came home, I took a half a clamshell, a dime, a plastic engagement ring I had left over from a bachelorette party (laughs) and left it out on my dresser. The idea was some monetary incentive and something shiny. Nothing. I still couldn't find my pieces. A few weeks went by and I was getting a duffel bag ready for an overnight trip and in going through the pockets was my jewelry. I was beside myself and so excited to have found them. I said thank you endlessly, and once Ostara came around, I made an extra effort to put out extra plants, imagery of bunnies, just generally tried to turn my living space into a more magical environment where a fairy might be comfortable. Um, That was so, that was charming. That was so cute. And you know, things like that have happened. And I've talked to my son before about brownies and brownies wanting uh, when your room is too messy, hiding things and being mischievous and playing tricks. And so even now, if my son has lost something, he'll tidy up his room or he'll make a comment about, oh, the brownies are mad that my room is messy. Um, Now, he hasn't done that too recently. Um, I haven't heard him say that, but I'll still bring it up once in a while. But the brownies playing tricks. And what do you know? You find your belongings once you clean your room or give some sort of offering. Thank you so much for sharing that story, Ruth. All right, this next story comes from Danny C. And um, thank you first, Danny, for reaching out and sharing your story. So she writes, A couple of years ago for my birthday, I went backpacking at Cutler Coast Preserve in Maine. Part of the coast there is actually called Fairy Head. That's awesome. I'm going to have to look that up. (laughs) I went by myself and it was generally incredibly quiet and the trail wound through the trees and suddenly came out on the rocks above the ocean. 
On the second night at camp, I was a little irritated after setting up camp and having some issues getting my water filter working, and I ended up scolding a squirrel who got a little too interested in my dinner. It ran off, and I was left with a slightly unsettled feeling, but shook it off. The next morning, I packed up and made my way up the coast to finish the loop trail and head home, and I got to a clearing where I lost the trail. I walked in circles for for well over an hour, following every deer trail until it became overgrown, looking for the right trail. I'm usually very careful about following trail markings and had never been lost while hiking before. Finally, I found myself in the same field for the fifth time and realized that the fae were having a bit of fun at my expense and the squirrel popped into my head. So I apologized out loud to the squirrel and the fae and went back to where I lost the trail. Sure enough, the next trail marker popped right out in front of me and I was on my way again. I made sure to stop and thank the Fay and leave a rock on the next trail post I saw as a thank you for sending me back on my way safely. I love that story. And Danny, I have something similar because, yes, the Fay, they do like to get us twisted out in the woods, out on trails. Again, they're they're not all kind all the time. They're very mischievous. And It's funny because, and I may have shared this story on the podcast before, so sorry if you've heard this, but it's when I was at um, Columcile, Columcilla, you know, Columcile Megalith Park, and this was last, no, this was Samhain, this was the day before, this was the day before Samhain, and just this past Samhain. So I had been looking for their labyrinth because I had been wanting to walk through it and do, you know, some meditating there. And I had been to Column Sile many times, but I had never found the labyrinth before. And so it is not on the map. There is a a guide, there is a map of the trails and the property, but the labyrinth is not on there. And so I was just walking all around and kind of like Danny's story, I got twisted around and went past the same rock one, two, three times. And I was turning so I shouldn't have been coming back to that same place and it happened over and over again and it pointed me down the fairy path and it's literally called I think it's called the fairy trail or fairy path and so I walked down this fairy path and I was the only one in the park that morning because it was chilly it was a chilly morning and pretty early so I walked down this fairy path I get to the end of it And here comes a man in a golf cart, like a gator golf cart contraption. And I said, hey, could you tell me where the labyrinth is? And immediately he's like, well, I'll just, I'll just drive, like ride you. I'll ride and you follow me. It was literally 50 yards in front of me. We just went straight. We got, went right to the labyrinth. Um, and that's where I found out that they were preparing for the Samhain festival. So I came back the next morning and helped them get everything ready, get the candles set. It was just a beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful setup and day. But I truly believe that the Fae led me to the labyrinth. You know, although they were twisting me around, they got me back on the right path. Um, and they do, they do so much magic in the woods. And you mentioned the squirrel. 
you know, the Fae are very protective of land creatures, of wooded creatures, of plants and animals in their land. And so it does make sense that you were frustrated with the squirrel that once you apologized and left an offering, they were like, okay, she's back on track. We're good now. And then, you know, you were good to go. So let's hear this next story. This one comes from Lee. Thank you, Lee. So Lee says, my eight crystals that I carry with me all the time are in a selenite bowl. I place them in the grass in my backyard under a full moon to charge. I woke up the next morning and my crystals were gone from the bowl. I was horrified. I looked closer in the grass around my bowl and the eight crystals were arranged in a cross going north, west, south, and east with the crystals that matched their elements. I was stunned. I knew it couldn't have been an animal. It had to be fairies. Side note, my wife has two fairy gardens and they are on either side of my bowl of crystals. That, Lee, thank you so much for sharing that. That is such a magical story. And yeah, absolutely. I believe it was our fae friends just showing appreciation that you set your crystals out to charge and they wanted to give you a little something in return. So I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay, I have some time for a couple more stories. So this comes from, oh, Reese is here. She's hitting my shoulder. I'm going to take her outside. I'll take a little break and I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. Uh, Little Reese, she's so sweet. So then this next story comes from Dana A., And this is actually a very recent story, so she had to share immediately. So here it goes. In my practice, I don't work much with the Fae. In previous years, I've tried to reach out or feel into them in their realm, but it never felt quite right. I just assumed it wasn't for me and moved on. But now I have a four-year-old daughter, and she is fairies everything. We wear fairy wings. We look for them in the yard. She puts on wings and antenna on everything she owns. I thought for Beltane it would be fun for her to leave them a little offering. So before we went to bed that night, we left out a tiny dish of honey and butter. It was the first time I'd ever done something like this. The next day when we were cleaning up the house, we found a toy of my daughter's that had literally been missing for a month. We had looked all over the house from top to bottom many, many times. And when I was vacuuming, there it sat on my husband's nightstand. What? (laughs) That's crazy. The very next day we were playing outside and my kids were picking flowers. They asked for one off the vine that grows on their playhouse. And as I went to reach for it, I felt a just like a but grabbed it anyway. Wouldn't you know the basketball from the other side of the yard had rolled to the base of the playhouse so that when I stepped down with the flowers, I fell flat on my tush. After I apologized and left them a little, I'm sorry, butter, a missing hair clip appeared right by the front porch. I realized how funny and physical they can be, and it's brought some fun to our yard. Happy remainder of May. 
Dana, that story is so fun, so whimsical. The I love these stories. They are the whimsical encounters with the Fae. Nothing too scary because there can be fair folk that you don't want to mess with. But I love this. And, you know, here you were, you know, they wanted to pick flowers off of the vine in the playset. And you were warned, you were warned no, because oftentimes you can ask, you know, you can ask, is this okay if I do? And you will know clearly if they don't want you to. And you felt a little, but you still grabbed it. And then you fell on your butt <laughs> for the basketball. That's crazy. And same with your daughter, with your daughter um, finding finding the toy that's been missing for over a month after you gave an offering. See, they, they're mischievous, but they are playful and can be fun and kind at the same time. Dana, that was indeed a little fun Faye story. Okay. So let's see this. Oh, so this person, this is from Brit. And Britt sent an attachment of something. She made an offering of milk and nuts for the Fae last year, and they left her a little sweet surprise. And when I opened up this picture, it looks like little feet had danced across the top of the milk. It was like little fancy foam art. And it it does look like um, something had flitted like across the milk, the foam of the milk, which is so much fun. Um, I love that. I wish you could all see the picture. I'll put it on my, in my stories. And we have time for, let's see, I think we have time um, for one more. And this last story comes from Angela B. She says, good morning, Jenny. And let me get into her story, which happened just this weekend. She says, I was out doing some yard work and found a large patch of dame's violet or dame's rocket flowers growing at the very edge of my property. Ever since winter waned this year, I've been finding bounties of flowers growing in my yard, and I have no clue where they come from. It started with little blue speedwell that covered about 20% of my lawn. Then tiny purple wild violets everywhere. Then a field of buttercups covering most of the backyard, and most recently the tall, fragrant dame's violets at the very top of my hill, behind a little grove of walnut trees that I've always thought was a special place. I haven't planted anything, and living here for around a decade, I've never seen these flowers before. I created a little fairy space by the walnut trees and I decorate them with tiny knitted leaves, ribbons, and pretty little ornaments. I'm not aware of encountering the Fae in the past, but could this be their work? Um, I, Angela, I love this. Yes, absolutely. It could be their work because fairies like to make themselves known in ways such as that. Flowers that pop up where they never have before. Um, scents or smells of flowers when you're in a place that has nothing resembling anything fragrant. Um, Little whispers or laughs when you're least expecting them in the quiet of night even. Um, All of those tell us that perhaps fairies are near. 
So thank you, Angela, for sharing your story. And thank you to everybody who wrote in, who shared their stories with me. It was so nice to read all of them. And I hope that you enjoyed some of these encounters. And if you have any more encounters of your own, even though they might not be on the podcast, feel free to email them to me, share them with me, because I love hearing these stories. Now let's get into the card pull of the episode, which of course is going to come from a fairy deck. Okay, so I'm going to pick from my Oracle of the Fairies deck by Karen Kay, and we'll see what message the Fae have for us. We've been talking about them throughout this whole episode, so hopefully they'll have something that resonates. Okay, let's choose a card here. All right. So the card is Lost and Found, which could be appropriate because... We did hear some fairy encounters of things going missing and then that were found. So what was once lost is about to be found thanks to the lost and found fairy. Sometimes she can help us find things we never even realized were lost. And it's this beautiful picture um, of a fairy. She has glittering purple and white wings and she's hunched over next to a cat. There's a cup spilled next to her. I think a vase it's just really lovely imagery. So let's see what is said about the lost and found fairy. There's journey. Let me get to it. Okay. So lost and found fairy. The lost and found fairy collects lost treasures and keeps them for a rainy day, revealing them when they're most needed. She is attracted to shiny things and often keeps company with magpies and crows, for they too have a keen eye for things that sparkle. If you see these birds, this fairy is probably near. Hmm. If you've misplaced something either materially or spiritually, call on this helpful fairy to find it. She will often leave little hints, tips, and clues. She may remind you to be practical. For example, if you've lost your keys, retrace your last steps in your mind. Where were you when you last saw them? <laughs> this fairy often appears in autumn and wintertime. Oh, that's interesting. In autumn, animals often bury food ready to sustain themselves during the colder months. And seeing them do this could be a sign to stash away the things that will sustain you too during this period. These could be material things such as food and money. Remember, she is a very practical fairy. Or you might stash away cherished memories inside your heart and tap into them whenever you feel the need for a spiritual boost. Oh, I really like that. The lost and found fairy also reminds us that it's okay to lose things. Perhaps you never really needed them anyway, or their time and purpose has been served. It's no use crying over spilt milk could also be the message she brings. Let it go, get a cloth and clean it up, then go and get some more milk if you really need it. And I really, I like that too, reminding us that sometimes things that don't serve us anymore need to be lost and that's perfectly okay. So think about that in your life. You know, as we are, we're now moving into summertime, we're getting close to the summer solstice, things are happening in our lives, you know, this is a time of growth and creativity. And if there's something that needs to be lost, something that's holding you back from reaching any potential, 
this might be a nice little reminder that it's okay to lose things. Um, and also it reminds us to be practical <laughs> as well. So I love that message. This deck, it's just very whimsical and light. And I do like reading from it um, whenever I just want some guidance from my fae friends. So I hope you enjoyed that card pull. I hope you enjoyed the encounters in this episode. I really enjoyed reading your stories. So thank you again for sending them. Um, ways to get in touch and support me. You can always find me on Instagram at Comfy Cozy Witch. You can also email me at Comfy Cozy Witch at gmail.com. Um, if you have any comments or you want to chat about this episode or share your story, be sure to message me there as well. And thank you all for listening. I'm very excited about things that are happening with my brick and mortar shop. And I thank you all for listening to me ramble on about that. And thank you for listening to these stories. And until next episode, everybody stay comfy, cozy and witchy.